Welcome to the Vineyard Church of Greater Portland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Mario Mastin. For more podcasts and other resources, please visit www.vineyardportland.org. This morning, I'm going to be speaking on a subject that I haven't spoken on for probably close to two years. That's the subject of giving. Now, that doesn't mean that this is an opportunity for you now to hightail out of here, okay? <laughs> I'll get to that in a moment. But before I do that, I just want to remind you that this week, life groups are starting up. So you, we heard a great message from Chad last week about us being a family and what family life means and the way in which actually life groups I- I- is one expression of how we can enter into family life together. Because our life together should be more than just what we do here on Sunday mornings. Amen? Amen. Okay, so check out the life groups. You can sign up online. All the information's there. Cards are out in the lobby. Um, Sign up. Be a part of life group. They begin this week. So let me start this morning with a little story for you. Uh, The roof, or I I guess something, out in the Midwest, they say roof, don't they? (laughs) Is that right, Greg? Did they say roof? Okay. Okay, so let me, let me say both then. The roof, or the roof, of a small church uh, around the turn of the 20th century was, was falling down. And so the members of the church said, hey, let's get together and have a prayer meeting uh, in the church building and pray for God to release funds to repair the roof. And there was an old man in the church who was known to be really tight with his money. And uh, he used to sit toward the back of the church so he could sneak out just before the offering plate came. And uh, one Sunday, he was held up on his way getting in because he met the pastor out in the lobby. And uh, consequently, he could only find a seat toward the front of the church. And um, during the prayer meeting, uh, you know, as will happen in the sovereignty of God, a piece of the roof fell and landed on his head. (laughs) But not enough to kill him outright, just to get his attention. And he was kind of slow, but he got there in the end and he figured, you know, this is probably the Lord. Um, So he stood right up and he said, I'll give $1,000. And a voice from the back of the church said, hit him again, Lord. (laughs) Now, I I won't be doing that this morning. And hopefully nothing's going to fall from the ceiling. Okay. Uh, Because the truth is, God actually has a better way of getting our attention. um, And showing us how to give the way God wants us to. Uh, You know, giving is an important part of our family life as a church. I already referenced this morning the the message that Chad brought last week on the fact that we are a family, okay? And um, giving is an important part of our family life as a church. So if you're a guest here this morning, and I know we have some guests, the principles I'm going to teach this morning uh, from what Jesus says in Scripture are going to be relevant to you in your life in the church you're in, but I've got some very specific things I want to say to this church family, okay? 
So I'm just giving you a heads up right at the beginning. Um, now, the truth is, uh, God has a way in which he wants us to give. And if we as a church are going to fulfill the mission and purpose that God has called us to as a church family, we need to be rightly aligned with the way in which God wants us to give. My text this morning for the message is taken from Mark's gospel, and it's a short uh, text, Mark 12, 41 to 44, and I'm reading from today's New International Version, and this is what it says. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples over to him, Jesus said, Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the temple treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. That's the text of this morning. This widow's actions in this story and Jesus' words teach us the way that God wants us to give. Now, there are two things here that I want you to see by kind of way of introduction that are important about this incident and the lessons that God wants us to glean from it. What is the context? The context is... If you read the passage leading up to this, that Jesus is in the temple courts and he's teaching there. And he takes a break from teaching and goes over and sits down and fixes his gaze on those that are giving. So that's the context. And he watches and he observes what's going down. Now, in the temple treasury, in case you're not aware of this, there were 13 receptacles for giving, and those receptacles were in a Jewish trumpet shape. And people would come, and they were positioned in what was known as the court of the women. And the people would come into the temple, and they would go to one of those 13 receptacles, and they would put their money in. So it wasn't some kind of discreet thing like we do, where people are passing the plate along, you slip your money in. This was like out in the open for everybody to see. And Jesus stands there and he watches what's going down. And then at a certain point, he says to his disciples, hey guys, come over here. And he begins to teach them something about God's way of giving based on his observations of what's happening with the giving in the temple, particularly in his especially with respect to this poor widow and what she gives. And I want you to see this going in this morning. As with everything else in the kingdom of God, God's way of doing things is the inverse of the world. God does things in an opposite way to the way that the world does. 
And that's true when it comes to giving, as in everything else. Because the kingdom of God is counterculture when it comes to this world. And that's true when it comes to giving. So what do we learn from these few verses about the widow's offering? And what is Jesus teaching us about God's way to give? And how does that impact us as disciples of Jesus and as a church family together? The first thing I want you to see is this. She gave on purpose. It says in the text, but a poor widow came. Just as Jesus was purposeful about sitting down and fixing his gaze on what was happening at those 13 receptacles where the offerings were being given, Jesus made an intentional decision to sit down and start looking at that and stop teaching. Just as he was purposeful in doing that, she was purposeful in coming to the temple that day with her two little copper coins, a fraction of a penny, and putting them into the offering. This wasn't a haphazard thing on her part. It wasn't some whimsical kind of response. She was purposeful about what she was doing. And we know that not only because Mark describes that, but because she would have had to navigate through a whole crowd of people there in that area who were putting money into the temple offering. And she also had to do this. With everybody watching and seeing what was going down, she had to put in those tiny two copper coins. While Jesus says, many rich people threw in large amounts. So here are these rich people throwing in huge amounts of money, and she comes along with her two little copper coins and puts them in. That tells me she did that on purpose. And that she was not dissuaded from doing that and for fulfilling the purpose to worship God with her giving by the fact that others were giving large amounts and she was giving a minuscule amount or by the fact that others might look upon her with condescension, comparing her little amount with the large amounts that they were giving. None of that dissuaded her, which tells me something about the degree of purpose in her offering as well as the desire to worship God. Here's the first lesson for us in this story when it comes to giving. We should give intentionally. We should do it on purpose. You know, under the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, the temple was the place where God's treasury was. And the people, the Hebrews, brought their tithes and their offerings to the temple. Well, we know in the New Testament, we heard this last week too, we now are the temple of God, amen? We are the temple of God. And the place that we bring our tithes and offerings to in the New Testament era is to the church, which is the corporate temple of God and the local church to which we belong. So if you're from another local church this morning and you're visiting with us, it's great to have you here. But your tithes and your offerings belong in your local church. Just as those for whom this is their local church those tithes and those offerings and that giving belong here. You know, I read something recently about stats of giving in the church at large in these United States. And this is what I discovered. That 20% of members 
don't only do 80% of the work, uh, 80%, uh, 20% of the members don't only do 80% of the work, but right now, on average, across the church at large, all the denominations in the United States, roughly 20% of the people give 80% of the funds, and 50% of the people attending church in the United States give nothing. I have more to say about that later. <laughs> but I will say this to you. This would not be the case in the church of Jesus Christ in America today if we were like the poor widow and gave intentionally, gave on purpose. Because when it comes to giving, this means be deliberate. Don't leave it to others. Even though she was poor and she had very little in the way of resources, this widow didn't come to the temple that day and say, you know what, <laughs> two copper coins to live on? Wow, I'm passing on this. I'll leave this to these guys. Look at the money and the resources they've got. God doesn't expect me to be involved in this. No, she didn't do that. She was deliberate and she didn't leave it to others to worship God with her giving. She played her part. She didn't take a free ride. She gave intentionally, and so should we, because giving God's way is a matter of obedience. It really is. Throughout the Scripture, you read the canon, throughout the Scripture, God calls us to give to Him and the advance of His kingdom purpose in the earth. In this age, that finds its fullest expression in the church of Jesus Christ, the temple of God. The prophet Malachi in the Old Testament said this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, which was the temple treasury. Jesus said this in the New Testament, freely you have received, freely give. He said, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. These are the words of Jesus. Paul, writing to the church Corinth, said, Each man, or in some translations, each of you, because this is not just for men, each of you should give. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, the first part of that verse. To give intentionally is to give obediently, and this is the first step in giving God's way. The second thing we see is this. This widow, she gave with pleasure. Now it says, Jesus' words are, and she put in two small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. So you may say to me, well, how do you get her giving in pleasure out of that? Let me tell you. Because the passage doesn't explicitly say that she gave with pleasure. It doesn't. But the point I want to make to you and I submit to you this morning is the very act of what she did and the way she did it speaks implicitly to the fact that she did it with pleasure and with joy. Two very small copper coins and we discover later from Jesus that's all she had to live on. This wasn't like her excess set aside for the Sabbath day offering. This was it. She didn't have anything else. Many of the rich people put in large amounts 
And the truth is, as Jesus makes clear, they had significant wealth left over. They had more left over than they put in the offering. But this woman, when she put those two copper coins in, she had nothing left. Jesus said that's all she had to live on. So we can conclude from that, when she put it in, she had nothing left. Her monetary gift was minute. It actually turned out, I discovered from doing some research on this, to be the value of 1 64th of a denarius, and that was a daily wage for a poor paid laborer. 1 64th. Yet, it's a picture, perhaps one of the greatest pictures in the New Testament, of generosity. 1 64th of a denarius, and Jesus is holding this up to his disciples as an incredible act of generosity. He says, what she put in there is worth more than everything else that was put in by everybody else. I believe the pleasure and the joy that it took for her to do that, that pleasure and joy fueled her act of giving and worship. Not a religious obligation and not some rigid formula that somebody laid on her. That there was a joy in her heart to be able to give what she had to God in worship. And I believe, again, the lesson is clear for us. We should give generously. Now, let me just say this parenthetically, because I know where some of you are going right now with this. And this will be a misinterpretation and misapplication of what Jesus is teaching if you're going down this road. Jesus is not teaching, and I am not teaching, that what Jesus is teaching here means that you now have to give everything that you have to live on. Now, if Jesus tells you to do that and you want to do it, hey, go for it. But that's not what Jesus is teaching here. This scripture, like all scriptures, can be wrested to our own destruction. That's not what Jesus is teaching here. It doesn't mean that every time you give, you have to give everything that you have. Jesus is, in this incident, prescribing how we should give generously, not what we should give entirely. You understand the difference? There's a kingdom principle Jesus is teaching here, and it's this. When you give, be generous. But what does this mean then when it comes to giving for us? It means this, guys. Be lavish, don't hold back. That's what it means to be generous. Paul talks in the New Testament about God lavishing his grace upon us in his son. He uses that term. That's the way that God gives. God gives lavishly, right? He gave his one and only son. That is the ultimate gift, lavish, generous gift on God's part. That's the nature of the way that God gives. We sang a song this morning. I can't remember the exact line, but it was something like, you are worth everything that we can give. Is that true? You are worth everything that we can give. Not that we should give everything we have, but everything that we can give, you are worthy of us giving. And when it comes to giving and worshiping you, that's what we're going to give. And we're going to do it generously. We're not to give in a sparing or stingy way. The way of Jesus is to give lavishly. 
All too sadly in the body of Christ, what happens is we don't give generously. Furthermore, many times the more money we get, the less we give because we find more toys to buy and things to use it on. Now, an important point to note here is that God doesn't measure, and listen to me, please. God doesn't measure, from this story, generosity by the amount that is given, but by the heart behind it and the cost associated with it. That's how God views giving. It's not the amount that's put into the offering that God's impressed by. It's the heart behind it and the cost associated with that gift. The attitude is more important than the amount. Now, having said that, just because I know the way the human heart works, I know the way my own heart works. Having said that, apart from the redeeming influence of God through the Spirit, that is. Having said that, we shouldn't rationalize giving less than we ought to give by saying, well, it really doesn't matter because God looks at the heart. So it really doesn't matter how much I give. It's easy to take the truth of Scripture. Have you noticed that? To take something that's true and use it to rationalize not doing what God wants us to do. And we use the Scripture as the get-out clause. You know, a heart with, right with God will always give generously. The poor widow exemplified a heart devoted to God. And pleasure in giving that meant she gave at the cost, in her case, of everything. She gave generously, holding nothing back. And in that sense, so should we. Giving God's way is always a matter of the heart. And that's true in everything else, isn't it? Proverbs says, out of the heart proceeds the issues of life. God's always concerned about this thing. And you know I don't mean the organ that pumps blood around your body. I'm talking about the core of our being. Remember what the Lord said to Samuel. Now I know giving wasn't the context. We were looking at anointing a new king, right? But this is what God said to Samuel. The Lord does not look at things the way man looks at things. God doesn't look at things the way human beings do. Human beings, or men, look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. That's not just true when it comes to choosing a leader. That's true, period. It's the way that God perceives and evaluates and assesses. It's like, what is the condition of your heart? You know, that's why Jesus says, and I could go down a whole rabbit trail with this, but you know, out of the abundance, I'm quoting the old King James because that's what I learned it in and it's in there. But out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, what comes out of our heart reveals what's out of our mouth reveals what's in our heart. I wish some of our leaders would realize that. In this scenario, Jesus was not impressed by the outward appearance and the wealthy putting large amounts into the offering. It did not impress him one iota. He was impressed, though, by the widow who put in almost the smallest imaginable gift. Why? Because her heart was filled with joy. She was worshiping God in the giving. And this caused her to act with great generosity 
and great cost. She wasn't just generous. It cost her something. Paul exhorts us as Christians when it comes to giving. This is what Paul says. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. You want to reap sparingly in life? Go ahead and sow sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap, how? Generously. Each man, and again, man is used in a permissive sense. Here, each human being, each follower of God, should give what he or she has decided to give in his or her heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. We're not called to give reluctantly. We're not called to be cajoled into giving. This message I'm bringing this morning is not to cajole anybody into giving. We're not to give that way. But our underlying motivation, Paul says, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves what? A cheerful giver. When we give, we should give with a smile on our face, and more importantly, we should give with a smile in our heart. We should be cheerful about giving. God doesn't want your reluctant gift or mine. He doesn't want your gift under compulsion, and he doesn't want mine. He wants cheerful, joyful giving. It's clear. We're to give generously and not sparingly. We're to give from the heart without reluctance, without being forced we are to give cheerfully. Our generosity is to be characterized by joy when we give. By the pleasure of giving to God and bringing pleasure to God in the act of worship when we give. You know, when we're worshiping like we did this morning and, the, and Jim and the team led us into God's presence in worship, I hope that you were just released to step into that place fully and hold nothing back. So easily we do that. But when it comes to giving, there's a different take. You know, the word cheerful here, and I know many of you know that, but some will not, is the Greek word hilaris, because the New Testament was written in Koine Greek. It's the word from which in English we get the word hilarious. So it would be totally legitimate to transfer, translate that phrase, God loves a hilarious giver. And when something's hilarious, man, you're splitting a gut. So split a gut the next time you give. <laughs> and remember to open your wallet at the same time. It carries the idea of someone who is filled with joy. They're ready to do anything. They're ready to give. To give generously is to give cheerfully. That's the second step in giving God's way. And here's the final one. She gave in poverty. Jesus said, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything all she had to live on. So here is the final key, really, to giving God's way. This woman in this passage is described as a poor widow, right at the get-go. She's not just a widow in a society that had no social safety net. She's a poor widow. It's a double whammy. But that word poor is a weak translation of the Greek word. The Greek word here is potochos, and it means one who is destitute. Not just, you can be poor and not be destitute. 
This woman was destitute. The word literally means to be poor as in a beggar. Someone who stands on the street and has nothing is saying, give me something because I have nothing to live on. That was her condition, which is why she only had two copper coins, a 64th of a denarius, less than a penny to put in. She was destitute. This was a woman who had nothing save for those two copper coins. And she gave, Jesus said, out of her poverty. These are the words of the Lord based on his observation of her actions. This is the thing that grabs Jesus' attention and causes him to say to the disciples, hey, get over here now. I want to teach you something. Something about giving God's way. He says all these others and all the wealth they put in it really doesn't mean anything to me. Because they all gave and had plenty left over afterwards. In contrast, she gave her a poverty and had nothing left. The difference is, the di is this. It's the difference between safe and self-satisfied giving that has no real cost attached and sacrificial giving that is costly. That's the contrast here. So one more lesson for us, and it's this. When we give, we should give sacrificially. Not just intentionally and generously, but sacrificially. This is where the rubber really meets the road when it comes to giving in the way that God wants us to. We're all called by God out of a place of need, out of a place of excess. This is what the widow did, and this is what God wants us to do. She didn't just look at the situation and decide not to give on the basis of her need. I just told you, she was destitute. As an example for us, this means when it comes to giving, be wholehearted. Don't wait for your circumstances to change. Now, this is really where the rubber meets the road for us. It is. I'm saying God is teaching us here when we give, be generous, but be sacrificial. Give wholeheartedly and don't wait for your circumstances to change before you obey God and give in a sacrificial way. Because if you wait, you'll never land up giving the way that God wants you to give. You'll always find an excuse, a rationalization for not doing what it is the Lord wants you to do. When we face challenging and difficult economic times, we've all been through those. You may be going through them now. You may go through them in the future. It's part of the reality of life on this mortal coil, to use a Shakespearean phrase. That is part of life. We go through economic challenges at times. People lose jobs. Their hours are cut. You know, uh, there's a loss of income for some reason or circumstances and commitments they've gotten into in life become such that they're stretched beyond breaking point financially. Let me say this. Irrespective of your circumstances, God still called you to give sacrificially. If that were not the case, this example of the widow that Jesus taught that has been taught for 2,000 years down through the history of the church would not be in the scripture under the old inspiration of the Holy Spirit in the way it is, and Jesus would not have used it as an example to teach his disciples what giving God's way means. Yes, we face difficulties, 
These things come. We have a big God. Now, look, I understand if your income decreases, you may have to moderate the amount that you give. Because if you have $100,000 coming in you know, a year, you can give X amount. If you only have 10,000 coming in a year, you're 90,000 less than you did have, you can't give as much as you once did. So you may have to moderate the amount that you give when you go through difficult times like that. But this is what we must never do. Never moderate the sacrifice in your giving. You can moderate the amount that you give according to the reality that you have to contend with. But do not moderate the sacrifice when you give. This widow never moderated her sacrifice. She had a minuscule amount of money. And she, in her particular case, gave it all. She didn't have much in the way of resources. And some in this room may not have much in the way of resources. And others might have a considerable amount. It's in these seasons, though, I want to say to you, when our needs are most acute, that our giving should be the most radical. It's in these seasons when our need is the most acute, I'll repeat it, that our giving should be the most radical. When she was destitute, she gave everything. If ever there were a scenario when it would have been reasonable for her to say, you know what, hey, things are pretty tough. I'm destitute. I've got two copper coins to live on. I'll give him one. I'll put one into the treasury and I'll keep one for me. After all, that's 50% of everything I've got. And what I've got is a minuscule amount to live on. So that's a reasonable thing to do. Because after all, tithing is only give 10%. So if I put in one coin, that's 50%, that's 40%, then I, above my commitment to tithe, and I'm good to go. When she was the most destitute, when her needs were the greatest, her giving was the most radical. Why? Because giving God's way is a matter of trust. That's what it comes down to. It really does. When we have plenty and we give out of our excess, out of our wealth, there's no sacrifice involved. And you know what? There's no trust involved either. Like, hey, I got plenty of money. Yep. That's what all those people that were making a big show of the wealth that they put into the temple treasury that day were doing. It's like, hey, we got oodles. Let's just put a lot in and make a big show of it. Everybody will be impressed with our spirituality and our giving, and God will be too. And of course, the reverse was the case. Giving God's way is a matter of trust. It's really not meant to be a cost-free act. That's what it was for these wealthy people putting all that money into the treasury. It was a cost-free act. It was an exercise in pretense. They were pretending to be something that they weren't and using all this money they had to send that message. God wants us to give out of our poverty. And I'm using that in a relative sense. You understand that. Out of our need, in other words. 
You know, Mother Teresa said this. Here's a great line from so many great lines from such a great life. She said, if you give what you do not need, it isn't giving. If you give what you do not need, it isn't giving. What is she saying? Exactly what Jesus is teaching us here. Give out of your poverty. Give out of your need. Then it's really characterized as a kingdom of God gift. When we do give out of our need, out of our poverty, that gift is rooted in trust and it brings joy to God's heart because giving is always a matter of trust. Trusting Him. There's a responsibility on each of us as followers of Jesus to give this way. Now, let me just say this, and I'm, I'm, I'm drawing into the latter part of the message, although I'm not done yet. This can be hard for us to do. Anybody going to agree with me on that? It can be hard for us to do. What happens is a combination of fear and rationality cause us to hold back and not give. Or, if we do give, not to give sacrificially. We look at our income, we look at our financial commitments in life, and we conclude, you know, this is unreasonable. It's unreasonable to give this way to give sacrificially, and then we go about the process internally of rationalizing not doing so because it's unreasonable. And then we let ourselves off the hook, or at least we think we do. This rationalization and this resistance to give is rooted often in fear. Fear that we will not have enough. If I give as God wants me to give, Wow, that does not make sense. It's not reasonable, and I won't have enough to cover all my commitments. So the commitment to God gets relegated to a secondary place. And I'll go to church on Sunday and tip God. By the way, if you tip, it should be 20% anyway if you're a decent tipper. So that's <laughs> twice what the tithe is. But God promised us that if we seek first, listen to me, God promised us if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all that we need will be supplied. You read that in its context. Jesus is talking about not being worried about whether you have enough clothes to wear or feed to eat. He's talking about material provision in life. And he says, if you seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness, all these things will be given to you. Why? Because it's about trusting him. It's not about who can handle the economy better. It's about the economy of God. The others will screw it up anyway. Now, I want to take this lesson of Jesus' teaching this morning, and um, I want to apply this truth of the widow to us as a local church. So if you're a visitor this morning, you can listen, but this is really, I'm speaking to the family here, okay? The family, please listen. Because there's an application of everything I've just talked about to the way we operate together as a church family. And we heard about this last week. That we are called into koinonia. We're called into fellowship. We're called into community. Because God has made us a family through the Spirit. So I, as the pastor of this church, want to be honest with you as the family this morning about where we stand financially. You know, earlier I mentioned in this message that recent stats that have been released about the church across America, 
is that on average, 20% of the members give 80% of all the funds and 50% of church members give squat. They give nothing. And I have to say, guys, that's our reality as a church and more so, more so. Let me just give you a little bit of information about where we stand right now. In 2017, that just ended five or six weeks ago, less than 10% of the members of this church gave 51% of all the income from tithes and offerings. And 13 households made up most of that uh, 51%. Just 13 households. Over 50% of the income for the whole of last year came from less than 10% of the members. And if you include all the attenders as well, people who come to the church regularly but are not members, it goes down even further. Only 8% then gave over 51% of all the income that came in from tithes and offerings in the church. And let me say this. The reason that happens... The reason that disproportionate amount of the giving income comes from less than 10% of the people and most of that made up from just 13 households is not because those 13 households are wealthy. I've been around this church a while. I know the people in this church. I don't know everybody's particulars and I don't want to. But I know enough to know we are not a church made up with wealthy people and we don't have some rich sugar daddy somewhere feeding us funds. We have a God in heaven who's faithful to us and has been for almost 25 years and met every need we've had right away along the way because he is always faithful. That's what we do have. But we don't have wealthy people in this church and those 13 households and that just under 10% of people who gave over 51% of the income in tithes and offerings last year are not wealthy people. I'll tell you what they are. They're people who give... Uh, Consistently, they give intentionally, they give generously, and they give sacrificially. That's what they do. They give intentionally, they give generously, and they give sacrificially. And without their giving, this church would not continue to function in the way that it does. But there's something else that tells us too. And it's this that a lot of people do not give in this church for whom this is their family, do not give sacrificially, and there's a whole bunch of people in this church that give nothing. And that, guys, should not be. It should not be. Year to date, we have a deficit of about $8,000 uh, when it comes to our income. We're about 8,000 behind our projection to this point in the year. And we have a budget deficit of about 17000 right now. In other words, we're spending that much more than, we're th than we've taken in year to date. Now, this follows a year in 2017 where we brought in $15,000 more